This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating a terrific finish to the fall season for the Bates golf teams. On the women's team, senior Alex Voigt-Shelley won medalist honors at the New England Intercollegiate Golf Association Championship. Meanwhile, on the men's side, first-year Arthur Jenkins tied for eighth place out of more than 100 golfers in his collegiate debut. Plus, we preview the head of the Charles Regatta and recap a thrilling win for our 10th-ranked field hockey team. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. After a disappointing NETSCAC fall qualifier, Bates women's golf senior Alex Voigt-Shelley bounced back in a huge way last Saturday and Sunday at the New England Intercollegiate Golf Association Championship. She shot a three-over par 75 on Saturday and was five strokes back of the leader entering Sunday's action. She gained six strokes over the final 18 holes, shooting an even par 72 on Sunday and capturing individual medalist honors. Overall, it was a strong weekend for the women's golf team as the Bobcats placed third out of eight squads. And Alex Voigt-Shelley is our female Bobcat of the week. Even par, round two. Take us through that round. You entered, you know, in a solid spot, but five strokes back, but you gained six and, and won the tournament. Take us through the round. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I played pretty solidly day one. Um, I was three over um, for the first day when we played the starboard course. Um, and then day two, I just felt really relaxed, very confident. I really loved that course. I loved that tournament. And I just wanted to go out there and play the best that I could in, in our last fall fall event any memorable holes that stand out yeah so I on the on day one I birdied 17 18 um par three I hit a nice uh six iron I'm really confident in that that club put it to about five feet made the putt which was really exciting and then I had a lot of confidence going into that 18th hole um par five uh just had a nice chip on six feet made the putt there so that was a really nice ending uh, on day one and then Day two, I made three birdies um, throughout that round, and I, th- I shot one over on the front and one under on the back, uh, which was really exciting. Did you birdie 18 again? No, oh. I almost I almost birdied 18 <laughs> yeah. on the back, but I, I just missed the putt. Uh, but, hey, even par, you know what, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And then, I mean, at what point, like, I know you come in, you submit your scores or whatever. At what point are, throughout that process do you did you learn, I guess, that you, you won the event? We were actually in the van on the way home <laughs> <laughs> okay. when I learned. I knew I was in second place um, when we left, but and I think we were we kept checking. Um, and when the other girl was on her 15th hole, I was one back, and then I couldn't look <laughs> anymore. I just I couldn't do it. But um, Maddie kept was kept checking and and told me, and yeah, it was. It was really exciting. So about halfway back to Bates, you kind of learned? Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I understand they're going to mail you a, a medal or a trophy or something, They right? are. They're going to they're gonna mail me a trophy, which is uh, very sweet of them to do. Um, but, yeah, I think Maddie and I are both going to get some sort of um, medal or, or something as well. And the team as a whole, I mean, played pretty well also, yeah. right? I mean, we saw a, a sophomore, I think, had a big improvement from day one to day two. Yes. Tell us about some of your teammates who were down there with you. Yeah, Kendall played 
really yeah. well her second day. I'm so proud of her. Um, she's been working really hard this season, and she was so excited about this tournament and, and playing. And so I'm, I'm really proud um, that she was able to play so well on day two. And, yeah, Maddie, Maddie shot really well both days. She shot 76 day one. Um, and she also has been working really hard on, on her game and, and just be scoring well. And, I mean, she's such a good player as well, and I, I'm so happy that she had a great final tournament. And for you personally, I know, obviously, you know, the fall qualifier, you know, kind of disappointing for, for yes. you know, the Bobcats. And even though you, you had one of the lower rounds on the team, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I imagine that's a little frustrating. But what was it like to bounce back, and how did you bounce back like that? Yeah, I I was really disappointed in myself last weekend. I, I really wanted to play well at that tournament, and it just didn't come together for me. Um, and so I put in a lot of work coming into this one. I, I knew what I had done wrong the weekend before. I had a, a lot of issues with my driver, so I spent a lot of time on the range um, fixing that. Lots of putting. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of time on the course focused on what I needed to do to fix my swing and and then mentally, just knowing that it was our last tournament and that this, I always play really well at this course. I really love this, the course and, and the tournament. And I just wanted to go and have fun with my team in our, our last fall tournament. So, yeah, I think the team a few years ago actually won this event. Yeah. So it's like there was, you and like three other teams, but you won as a team. And this year there were seven other teams there, I guess. But I mean, what is it about this tournament that, you know, women's golf at Vates here seems to thrive, right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, the fact that it's at Cape Cod yeah. and it it's just feels half tournament half vacation kind of just last tournament of the year um and that I mean the NERJs are just run so well mm. like everything is so smooth and they take really good care of us there and um the courses they're like a different type of grass and different type of um layout than I think what more what we're used to so um that just having the opportunity to to play there and just to play for fun really is is a good thing for us. And I, I imagine it would be a little tricky going from one course to a completely different one from one day to another. How do you kind of handle that? Because, you know, other tournaments, it might be the same course for, for two rounds, mm -hmm. but this one is completely different. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually kind of nice because you know, um, like, if you don't play very well on one course, you know it's a completely different course for the next day, so you have a whole new opportunity right. to play well. Um, and even if you play well on one, that gives you a comp the confidence to play even better on, on the second one um, because there are quite a few similarities between the two, but um, they're still um, very different courses, and um, they're both just very nice courses, and um, they play really well for our game and for mine especially, so. And for you, it's a little bit of a book, and we're talking off-air. Your very first tournament here at Bates, so it was just Bates, Bowden, and Hudson, but you won at yeah. Martindale. And now, uh, not your last tournament, because there are a couple in the spring, mm -hmm. but one of the last tournaments you win as well. So how cool is that to, you know, full circle a little bit, right? Yeah, I was thinking about that in the yeah. van on the way back. I was like, wow, that's that's so cool. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, and, and it was nice because our my very first tournament here was really just a fun tournament as well, and this one was also just really enjoyable. So I think just being able to... I worked really hard <laughs> to to shoot the way I did, and and I'm just really happy to have done it with this team and at this tournament, and I, I'm really proud of, of what we did this weekend. I was thinking I was looking at some of the numbers they sent over, but it looks like you really dominated the par threes. <laughs> you were thriving on those. What about those holes in particular worked for you? Well, I 
I really like my irons. I've been doing a lot of work with my irons, and a lot of those par threes are an iron, a longer iron distance for me. Um, so just I had a lot of confidence going into those par threes. I knew exactly what to hit, um, and yeah, I, I knew my accuracy was going to be great, and I knew that I could make the putt. So um, yeah, par threes were were good attacking holes for me. For the team, it's you and Grace are the two seniors. Are there any other seniors? I think it's... Just... Uh, Mira. Mira. Oh, Mira. Okay. Yeah, well. But Grace played at this tournament with you yes. as one of the seniors. So what's it like to, you know, play another tournament with her? Because I know she's been on the team all four years. Mm-hmm. Um, not always in the lineup, but, you know, right next to you practicing everything, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, she she got injured early in the season mm-hmm. this year. Um but it was really nice for Grace to be able to to play that last tournament and and to be able to go there with her and and to we roomed together yeah. you know and um, yeah I I love her it's been so great getting to to know her these four years and to see her thrive and uh, yeah I'm I'm so proud of uh, of her and how she played this week out after everything she's been through <laughs> sure absolutely yeah what are your thoughts you want to share on the season or on this particular tournament perhaps we haven't got to talk about yet. I just want to reiterate um, how proud I am of my team and, and how much I love my teammates. They were just so supportive of, of me um, after we found out that I won. And I love being on this team, and I'm so excited to see what they um, have to do in the future. I'm going to be really sad to leave um, in the spring, but I had such a great time. On the men's side, first-year Arthur Jenkins made the most of his collegiate debut, shooting a 74 on Saturday and a 78 on Sunday, good for a tie for eighth place in a field of 102 golfers. It was a remarkable performance, especially because this was Jenkins' first collegiate tournament. The team plays fourth out of 20 schools, their best finish ever at the NEIGA Championship. And Arthur Jenkins is our male Bobcat of the Week. Well, Arthur, your first ever collegiate golf tournament, and you finished in the top 10 at the NEIGA Championship there in Cape Cod. First of all, when did you find out you were going to be in the lineup, and what were your thoughts kind of going into the tournament? Wednesday and Thursday, we played our qualifying matches to find out whether or not I was going to play in the tournament. And the other freshman on the team, Charlie Wyman, had put together a really nice round, actually. So it was going to be a tough – I had to play pretty well to qualify, which was honestly probably the most nervous part of the week. Over even over the tournament, um, so I found out I was in the lineup. I texted my parents. I was really excited, and then I was like, "Man, I wonder what my first college tournament would be like." And so I was kind of the whole week. I was nervous but excited for my first tournament, but also I was like, "You've done most of the hard work to get here. Now just go out there and enjoy it." And you obviously went out there and, and enjoyed it quite well. And your, it's two different courses, though, I understand. So what was what were the similarities, differences between those two courses and how the days went for you, kind of? Uh, yes, sir. The, the t- there's two different courses. Um, we played one course the first day, and then the women played the other course, and then obviously we swapped. Um, the reason I think I did so well on the courses was because the greens and fairways are very similar to the courses that I played back home. Uh, firm fairways, firm greens, the ball rolls out a lot, which is was part of the thing I struggled with when I got here because the, these greens are a lot softer usually, and I struggled with that. But then this tournament, this course, these courses were very similar to what I had played. So it gave me, I don't want to say an advantage, but I definitely had more practice than most of the players who were playing this tournament, which is what made me feel confident when I got to the first first few holes. So. Excellent. And you mentioned where you're from, which is Louisiana. So tell us about how Bates got on your radar for college coming from Louisiana. I'd obviously wanted to play golf in college. That was kind of a big goal for me. And I had talked to the coach. 
And then I kind of ended up looking at all the NESCACs because I was, my dad went to college up in the Northeast, so I looked at all the schools up here. And I looked at Bates and just the ability to play golf in college just kind of made Bates the right choice. Excellent. And then, um, I mean, you mentioned the, it being much softer greens up here. I feel like most golfers prefer softer greens, though, right? I'm, or is uh, are you a little bit different in that regard, perhaps? Yes. I would <laughs> say most golfers do. The ball on softer greens, it'll land, it'll spin back, like backwards, which most golfers, yeah, probably do prefer. But I was, I'm more used to the greens not spinning at all. Mm. So even with a high lofted wedge, hitting it into so, uh, hard greens, the ball usually barely spins at all, which. It's hard for some people to understand the opposite because it's very, very not similar at all. Yeah. So, yes, I am probably, I'm probably very different than most golfers in that I, I prefer harder greens, yes. So how did you first take up the sport growing up? So my dad had played ever since I was very young, and I'd always kind of been around golf. Um, I'd play maybe once a month. Uh, but I was, as a junior, I was really big into tennis, kind of in my – middle school and elementary school days. Then I kind of got tired of that and decided I would pick up golf seriously in about the seventh grade. And then just, just I guess, the rest is history, I guess is what you could say. Excellent. Your first round there was, um, was, was pretty low. I mean, is that one of your lower rounds ever in a tournament? Definitely one of my lower rounds ever in a tournament, um, especially at a court. I've recorded some pretty low rounds at tournaments, but I'd never – Never in a course I hadn't seen before or hadn't played before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was definitely the big the big difference between that and most of my high school rounds. Um, yeah, it was definitely a low round for my – at one point I believe I was uh, – my dad texted me uh, after the round. He was like, you know you're leading the tournament after the 16th hole. I was like, thanks, Dad. That's really, <laughs> that really makes me feel good now that I dropped down to six, right. which is so bad apparently. You know, it's terrible. So Well, you finished tied for eighth, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out of over 100 golfers, yes, right? Yes, sir. Yes, so. sir. And then um, just in terms of your teammates and everything, I mean, you mentioned you know having to qualify to play, right? Mm-hmm. And so your teammates who were there with you had all played tournaments before. So what they kind of tell you kind of going in? So uh, it was pretty – Obviously, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. Yeah. We we ended up placing fourth, which sounds good. We they didn't play as well as they would have liked, but it's still a good result. The guys on the team were super helpful, telling me like this is the stuff you need to bring for the tournament mm-hmm. and stuff like this. Because I'd usually never never gone to a college tournament. It's a very different atmosphere from like high school. Um, so they were super helpful with that. They told me they knew they played the course last year. Some of them played the course before, right. so they knew a little bit about hey, this is. There's some spots over here like, hey, you really don't want to be over here on this hole. And the the women's team playing the course the day before was super helpful because we talked about – I talked with them at dinner about mm. the second day course about how to play that one. Um, yeah, they were kind of like go out there, kick butt. They didn't really – even though I'm obviously like a first year and have not played in a tournament, they were like super awesome about being like – like you're still a member of this team. Like your score definitely is important. And so that really calmed me down, and I really honestly didn't have many nerves in the first tee, which I was surprised about. Great. Well, what were some memorable holes for you from the weekend? Uh, so probably the most memorable hole was the first hole because mm. I birdied the first hole of my college tournament of my first college tournament, which is kind of one of the parents of the other guys who were there was like joking with the rest of the team, like how many of y'all birdied the first hole of your first college tournament? So that was pretty special. Um, I almost hold out for eagle on sixteen. 
from like 85 yards. So that was a pretty special hole. And then probably 17 on the second day. Mm. Terrible tee shot. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Par three. I was way in these trees, and I hit probably one of the greatest uh, punch-out chip shots of my life to like six feet and just rolled in the putts like I'd been doing all day. So Awesome. And then, um, you know, we posted you, you and Alex were the Bobcats of the week this week on Instagram, and I have never seen so many people comment about – a bobcat and like where uh, you have quite the social media following i guess what i'm trying to say what's that like <laughs> uh it was pretty nice you know i in high school i went to a pretty i did well not a small high school i didn't go to a very athletically focused high school mm-hmm. which is obviously very different for most people here who play sports i mean they went to big boarding schools right i went to like a small public school in louisiana and so it was nice to get some recognition because i'd never been recognized for any of any of doing anything in golf most of my life so it's felt pretty special to be recognized by the school. So, I don't know. My friends were back home. Finally, were like, there's some to post about him. So, I guess it's time. <laughs> it spread. Uh-huh. Excellent. Um, well, I guess now, I mean, this is the final term of the fall, but you have a spring season coming up. So, what are your thoughts? I know talking with Freddie Curtis on the episode uh, a few weeks back, talking about um, the simulator and everything. Are yeah. you using that a lot in the winter? I will plan on using it a lot. Obviously, the nice thing about me compared to most of the guys is during Christmas break and Thanksgiving break, I'll be able to go home. True. And the weather... Obviously, for most people, it's probably not very nice. But for me, during Thanksgiving and Christmas, it'll be pretty nice to go home and be able to practice on grass. So I think that definitely gives me a a nice advantage over not only my teammates, but also like most of the other NESCAC mm-hmm. players, which is fantastic. And um, yeah, just having that first college tournament and playing so well definitely is makes me feel really good about how I'll do in the future and like. My, how I'm doing on this team. So. And how about your coach, uh, Sean Warren, one of the more prolific golfers in New England, really? What's it like working with him? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's, like, famous yeah. not only in New England but outside of New England, and it's pretty awesome. He's a really awesome guy, hilarious coach. Mm. Um, yeah, he knows a lot about golf, and the I would say probably the best part about him having played so many tournaments and having so much experience is that often when you, like, have a lesson with a coach – you don't really get the mental side of it, which is obviously very important in golf. So having someone who's been in a lot of tournaments, been in major championships, he knows a lot about what it's like to like mentally focus, and that's been probably something I've learned the most since being here. Great, yeah. So what are some mental tricks maybe you've developed? Yeah, so when I – a lot in high school, I tried to either – either during the round, I wouldn't say anything to the people I was playing with, mm-hmm. which is kind of some – you know, for a high school golf tournament, it was kind of rude, but I really wanted to play well. And, like, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to play in college, so I was kind of like, I got to lock in. But he's taught me that, like, just focusing on your shot, you can talk with your the guys in your group. You just need to, when the time comes to hit your shot, you just need to focus on that and be all in on that. And then really another part is really committing to the shot. Like, even, like, you're going to make bad swings through the round. It just happens. Everybody's human. But being smart about where your miss is and being smart about, hey, I know this is what usually what I do wrong. Mm. So trying to avoid that, that's definitely been two of like the most important important things about him being there. The cross-country teams compete at the Connecticut College Invitational on Saturday, and a number of Bobcats recorded personal record performances. The top Bates runners competed in the Blue Race, where the Bates women's team finished in eighth place out of 26 schools. Senior captain Corinne Kohlenberg was one of the Bobcats who recorded a PR, crossing the finish line in the 6K race in 22 minutes, 34.3 seconds. Good for third on the team, and 38th overall out of 208 runners.
Well, Corinne, the Connecticut College Invitational, I know a very scenic course. You set a PR um, for a 6K there. As a senior captain, take us through the race from your perspective, how it went for the Bobcats. We had the team split into two different events by gender, um, and so it was exciting to see, like, um, some of the Bobcats race first and, like, already set the standard for a great day right from the start when we got there we were like getting ready for our warm-ups and everything and we got to see like especially a lot of the younger bobcats like coming in and already setting some really good times um so I feel like that was exciting for us to just like go into the race knowing like they did it it should be easy for us to do too like the course was fast um because I know the past two years at that course, it's been a pretty hot day. Mm. And so we lucked out with the weather. Um, and for the women's blue race, which was the last race of the day, uh, it was just starting to sprinkle. So that was also helpful to cool us off a little bit. Um, and there was like a little delay for the start. But I think everybody went in with a good attitude. We were like, hey, it's it's going to be raining for everybody. And like, this is the best weather we could ask for. Um, and we definitely, the start was interesting because um, it was our biggest race so far this season. So we're used to like a smaller field and you don't have to be as aggressive. So we definitely like all started back further than we should have, which was scary for our coaches and teammates. But I think um, in total, we collectively did a good job moving up throughout the race. And like uh, Coach Feldman makes a spreadsheet with the stats that um, our teammates who are spectating, like they're at the different mile markers and he can keep track of like how many places we moved up. And I think everybody in that blue race moved up noticeable amount from like the first mile to the end um so it was definitely a more strategic race we weren't just like racing for time we definitely knew that we weren't in the best position at first and we had to just keep passing as many bodies as we could um yeah (laughs) well yeah you touched on this um these starts um when there's so many runners Mm -hmm. I mean like over a hundred. I mean, lots of runners. Uh, I know that can be chaotic at times. How do you handle that when there's so many people crowded together like that on a start? Yeah, it can definitely be tough because um, it's hard to be aggressive when there's so many people around you and not a lot of space. Um, and our box, because everybody, like, we get assigned a random box on the starting line, and we were box 22, which was, like, a little bit right of the center. So, like, we knew like most people would be to the left of us, but there would still be girls closing in from the right. Um, And sometimes you have to like put your elbows out a little bit. Um, I don't think anybody fell, which sometimes can happen, but um, it is tough because the course narrows quickly and has a lot of turns and bushes that will (laughs) hit you in the face and like trees to go on either side of. Um, But yeah, I think... Last year, something that worked for me was just trying to get to the outside edge as fast as I could, even though it meant, like, running a little extra distance. It would mean I could stay in control of my position in the race, and I told a lot of teammates um, that that had worked, and so I tried to do the same thing again this year, and I spent most of the race on the outside edge, um, which it definitely seems to work in a race like that. And for you, I know I know PRs in cross country can be really course based, but what was it like to get a PR for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely felt good. Um, 
last year was my first time racing on that course. Um, and I had been sick for a while before that, and I still was getting adjusted to the 6K distance. And so this year I definitely felt much stronger, and I feel like um, the training I did this summer uh, helped me better adjust to the distance so it doesn't feel quite as long as it used to. Because <laughs> um, I know when I was first getting adjusted to the 6K, even though it's not that much longer than the 5K, like the last little bit is definitely noticeable. Um, and it's hard to at first to not start kicking too early in the finish. Um, but I definitely think I've gotten more adjusted to that as time has gone on. So we've had you on the Bobcast once before, but it was two years ago. So people who don't maybe don't remember, you're from Maine. Yeah. So growing up, did you always think, oh, I'm going to go to college, you know, at Bates? Or when did that become kind of in your head, like, you know, I'm going to stay local here for college? Um, My sister, Addie, went to Bates, and she was the class of 16. And she was on the team, and she definitely influenced yeah. my decision a lot because I heard a lot of good things from her. Um, and it was great because she was able to make it to the Con College meet this past weekend. And I think that's where the team competed for regionals her senior year. And so I was just like, what was I like an eighth grader or something (laughs) at the time. And so like, it, it, it was a nice full circle to come back there again. Um, but yeah, I think also, um, you know, graduating at the beginning of the pandemic, I was excited to stay local because I knew it would mean I would get to visit my family and that they would be able to come to events when they eventually happened again. Because it was it was definitely tough to see like people who had family far away and not being able to leave the state like that first year. But um, yeah, I definitely wanted to make sure my family could still be a part of um, the sporting events and whatnot. Um, yeah, because my mom was my high school coach. And, oh, okay. Yeah, so she definitely has been a big part of my running life. <laughs> but, yeah. So you've been running for, I mean, quite some time? She she used to also coach. There was a youth um, USATF track program mm. in our community. And so I think I started that when I was maybe four. Mm. Um, but I didn't start cross country till we had, like, kind of a mock program in um, fourth through sixth grade that only met once a week so it was very chill but it was a good way to get introduced to it um and then like it got a little more serious in middle school and then stepped up a little more in high school but yeah and my I have a brother too who's um also older and so I was always at their meets and like before they were competing still at my mom's meets um so definitely had exposure early on Excellent. And what's it like being a senior captain this year? Um, I've been so proud of everyone. It's been really, it, it just like more than ever in past years, it's just so rewarding to see everybody improving and really stepping it up and just like taking risks. And I love being co-captains with Isabel May and Sophie Demerit too. I just, it's a really good group and we have a great first year class and I feel like um, we've really become more of a community um, as a team collectively, like the men and women. So it's just been really inspiring. And, yeah, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season goes. And tell me a little about, you know, working with Coach Feldman, you know, being one of the captains. I'm, I imagine you're working with him a lot. Yeah, we have 
weekly and sometimes bi-weekly um, captain's meetings, uh, which those are nice because we get to have them in the commons dining hall with the men also. So it's nice to just like share a meal and discuss what needs to be discussed. But yeah, it's it's been it's been going well so far. Um, yeah, just a great group of people. <laughs> Excellent. So what are your thoughts on the NESCAC championship coming up, not this weekend, but the following weekend? Um, I think this weekend was a good test for us because for the women's team, at least like, um, we, we have seen a lot of success, but this weekend put things back into perspective Mm. for us. We had a few teams beat us that we weren't expecting. And I think that was good. I think it was good for us to have a scare and know that we just need to keep working (laughs) harder. Um, but I think Nezcacs will be, like, a little more in our comfort zone because it will be a smaller field. But um, definitely good to have that scare going into it. Um, we didn't perform quite where we thought we would this weekend. Like, I still think we have what it takes to do well at Nezcacs. All right, sounds good. Corinne Kohlenberg, senior captain for Women's Cross Country. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. On the men's side... The Bobcats finished ninth out of 26 teams in the 8K Blue Race. And junior captain Ben Huston recorded a personal best time of 25 minutes, 51.3 seconds, good for fourth on the team and 69th overall in the field of more than 200 runners. Well, Ben, first of all, you're a captain, you're a junior. Tell us about that leadership responsibility and how's it been going being one of the team captains this season? Yeah, uh, so it was a little bit of a surprise uh, last summer when I got the call from Coach Feldman uh, asking if I could be uh, a captain stepping into my junior year. Um, I th- was a little surprised by that, uh, but I sort of was, was really willing to accept that responsibility. Um, so far this year, I don't feel like it's changed too much of, of how I am as an athlete or my role on the team. Of course, there are a few things here and there that I think uh, I have to attend to now. I have captain's meetings. I feel like I can sort of step in more to encourage um, freshmen or my other teammates. But ultimately, you know, um, Coach Feldman elected me captain for a reason, and so that was because of a set of behavior that I uh, exhibited during practice. And so I think just trying to keep that in mind and not have it affect too much of who I am as an athlete or who I am on the team. When I interviewed Coach Feldman, he mentioned that you're very steady. Uh, don't let anything get to you. Tell us about your mindset kind of when you race. Yeah, I, I try to. Uh, my freshman year, I think my mindset was really quite poor, so I've worked uh, to adapt that and change that. Um, ultimately cross country, uh, is, is about competing. You know, there's not, you can't really compare times between courses and sometimes courses aren't entirely consistent. So really what matters is going out there and just racing and competing. Um, so that's, uh, sort of the mentality that we try to have very clear minded, very, just go out there, race, win your race. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be going out there and breaking any records, (laughs) uh, any course records, or I'm not going to win these big invites probably. So, Uh, Just going out there and winning my own races between the people around me. Great. And then um, you mentioned you just actually came from a captain's meeting. We had the Con College Invitational this past weekend. How did it go from your perspective from the captains and from the teams, kind of? Uh, I think we were uh, a little bit disappointed walking away from it. We had a lot of PRs, which was a great thing. Um, But ultimately, we didn't have the team result that we were looking for. That was a big, uh, has been a big point of conversation the last couple days, uh, is that especially the second group that contains our 4-5. Our uh, however that shakes out, whoever it is, um, 
we were having we've been having some difficulty this season pack running and working really together as a team. Uh, some of the races have been just that we get in a mile in and then the pack is splintered apart and all of a sudden you're running alone versus with your teammates that you work out with every day and train with every day. Uh, and really that is just such a tremendous help to have that and we have really been trying to work on that uh, this season. So I think that was one big takeaway is that that's something that we need to get uh, figured out soon because we're getting into championship season now. Um, so that, that's been our biggest takeaway. And is that more to do with how you start the race? Because like, obviously the start can be very chaotic, so many runners and everything. What's the key, you think, to get back to that pack running perhaps? Uh, I think the start sort of plays into a little bit, yeah. but ultimately that's no matter what, it's going to shake out kind of chaotic. It's really yeah. just about finding your guys, you know, half mile in as soon as it's, uh, you know, smoothed out a little bit, uh, finding your guys, communicating with them and then dying on the hill of, I'm going to run with these guys until I can't, no matter what. Right. Um, and that's been something we've been, we've been trying to work on and it can be difficult sometimes, surely to find people in, in, in all the chaos, uh, yeah, certainly. And then, um, you know, can take us back when you were in high school, what made Bates the place for you? My year had uh, a little bit of difficulty with some of that because we weren't allowed to visit. Yeah. I couldn't come on a recruit visit and get an overnight or anything like that. I really liked the area. I really liked the idea of running on a team that I knew was, you know, competing at a high level and, and uh, producing really good athletes. Um, so I think it was it was mostly that. Great. And then um, when did you first start running cross country? How did you get into the sport to begin with, I guess? Uh, I started my sophomore year of high school, uh, and it was ult- really it was because I was super bad at soccer. <laughs> so I was like, oh, let's let's try something else. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, t- a typical runner origin story in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what made you want to stay with it? I I really just loved it. I think I loved the uh, the the aspect of sort of like it's 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 on you a little bit. You know, you're working with your team and your teammates, but the performance that you have on the day is is up to you you can choose to you know feel bad for yourself and start to drop back or you can choose to like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna die on this hill like i'm gonna race as hard as i can uh and i really like that sort of aspect of it great and your fellow captains i believe are victor carry and ned farrington right so what's it like working with them oh it's been great ned and victor uh are really have been tremendous role models to me on the team for a while and so now to get to work with them in that sort of a different capacity has been has been really nice uh they're examples of who I want to be on the team, um, and so to step into that role with them has been really great. And we mentioned uh, earlier that PRs don't necessarily mean a lot in cross country, but you did set a PR this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. So did you feel like from an individual standpoint the race went well for you? Individually, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought pretty well. Uh, again, there's always more that I can do to try to you know help my, my teammates uh, pack run with me and, and mm-hmm. communicate with them a little more. Uh, and so that's an aspect of it. But individually, I thought it was pretty well. I was I was checked in uh, mentally. I was making moves that I needed to. I was I was moving up well. Uh, so overall, individually, I thought it was a pretty good one. And the Con College Invitational is interesting because there's two different races for the men and two different races for the women. So four races overall. Mm-hmm. What was it like being able to watch, you know, all your teammates when you weren't running for us? Oh, that was fantastic, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't get to watch all of the races because, you know, there are times where we're warming up. But mm-hmm. seeing the men's open race, which was the first race of the day, and seeing how they pack ran and they were having – they all had days, you know – most everyone PR'd and ran really well and strongly and moved up well, worked together. That really set the tone well for us uh, and helped us out a lot, I think. 
Excellent. So we have the NESCAC championships coming up, not this weekend, but the following weekend. So you get some time to prepare. You mentioned the pack running emphasis, but what else are you focusing on kind of gearing up for NESCACs where uh, I know the regional meet's huge after that, but you always want to have some conference uh, prior where you finish, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're looking to beat some teams that, uh, that we haven't yet so far this year. Um, we've got some targets set and uh, ultimately we're looking for uh, a decently high finish. We're looking to beat some, some important teams going into the regional meet. Um, to set to set ourselves up well for the next two, hopefully the next two meets after that regionals, and uh, and set us up well to to get into nationals. So um, there is some pride with it as well. Of course, we want to be beating these teams, uh, but you know, I think the more important thing is going to be looking looking past that. How does it set us up well? Um, NESCAX is huge because of that. Well, Ben, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it, and good luck at NESCAX coming up uh, again a week from Saturday. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. The number 10 nationally ranked Bates field hockey team suffered a 2-0 setback at fellow top 10 ranked team Tufts University on Saturday. But the Bobcats bounced back for their 8th win of the season when they defeated Vermont State Castleton in a 4-3 thriller on Sunday. Senior Ella Blum scored the game-winning goal against the Spartans, and she joined the Bobcats to look back on the win and look forward to a huge weekend. Well, a game-winning goal there against Vermont State Castleton. I saw you elevate, uh, the ball was elevated. You were able to guide it into the back of the cage. Uh, take us through that final play uh, to get the game winner. Yeah, so I think we had a lot of great chances all game, and I think it's really important to note that the surface we were playing on is not one that we're used to at all. We play on a carpet-like surface called an astroturf that gets watered by these six huge cannons before we practice and play, and we were playing on a very long, heavily turfed turf that was super thick which meant it was just really hard to move the ball and to execute a lot of the skills that we're usually so good at and we definitely dominated a lot of the play but again it was a tough adjustment so at the end there we knew that we just had to get it back in the back of the net and whatever way was going to count it was clear to us that it was going to need to be a scrappy goal and I think that's why I don't even quite remember what happened besides (laughs) seeing the ball in the air and then seeing it in the goal. So I knew something good had happened, but I wasn't quite sure how we got there. But again, a win is a win. And I think it just got, you know, instilled a little bit more confidence in our team that, like, not only is every game not going to be perfect, but we can still find a way to get the win. Well, you mentioned the surface. Yeah, I watched the video. It's a football field you're playing on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like if you played on Garcelon here. Yeah. I mean, and so can you break it down a little bit more why a field hockey surface is so unique compared to other turf fields? Yeah, so a field hockey field is more like a carpet almost or, yeah, an astroturf. And regular turfs have those little black plastic things on them. And they actually slow down the ball because every time you move the ball, those move with the ball. And when you go to hit the ball and stuff, it's much easier to miss your target because your stick can actually dig into the turf. When you play on an astroturf, it's completely flat. It's almost like, you know... It's just between a turf and a gym floor. There's yeah. not a lot of room for bumps or anything like that. It's going to go straight. It's probably going to go flat. And that's another big thing about the turf is that the ball bounces a lot more than you expect. And it gets a lot, you know, doesn't get as far as you would hope pretty much ever. Well, yeah, I saw all four goals the Bobcats scored just look chaotic. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's super hard to execute, you know, in a lot of the ways we do really well on our corners with mm. a lot of our really strong shooters just because of the surface. Yeah. Um, 
and we're lucky enough to not have to play on that surface right. most of the year. But it is good practice because obviously we're looking to get a bid this year yeah. and the tournament will be hosted on turf as well. So hopefully we'll have some Garcelon practices in our future. Oh, so the NCAA tournament games, some of them are on field turf. Yeah. Interesting. So, so the reasoning behind that, although it does change, is that it can be considered an advantage to play on the AstroTurf, the like more traditional field hockey surface, because obviously not every team in D3 has that. Mm, interesting. There's also a special rule about the type of ball you're allowed to use, because there's actually a dimpled field hockey ball mm-hmm. that's a little bit bigger. And it only really works on the AstroTurf, so we're not allowed to play with it in the game despite it gets you a lot more control. Lots of intricacies in field hockey yeah. maybe people aren't necessarily aware of. But um, So obviously a big week this week for the Bobcats, yeah. right? Senior day. As a senior, what were your thoughts on that? Connecticut College coming up here. Looking back, it's hard to feel like a senior. Obviously, I didn't have a freshman sure. year. Yeah. But – you know, hopefully this doesn't come off the wrong way, but I think that my sophomore year, my grade, as well as, you know, our fifth years who were super lucky to have and our junior, current juniors just kind of took a look around and said, we want more than this and mm-hmm. we know we have more to give. And all credit to everyone who was part of that team that's still here because I really think we changed the culture of the team in a lot of ways and we set new standards that allowed us to be as successful as we were last year and this year. And it it's really emotional to kind of sit back and let that sink in and realize, like, when you didn't complain about getting up at 5 in the morning for running and lifting, like, you were, you know, getting us to that next level. And I, I just really applaud everyone who's graduating in the leadership roles they've had. And it's so nice to know that the juniors are going to uphold that level, if not better it. Great. And then, like, I guess keys to success, you have Connecticut College, and then the next day... You have Williams. That game got moved because of weather, and now all of a sudden it's a massive game between two top ten teams. So what are your thoughts on keys to success there? I mean, you know, you beat Williams last year in overtime, but obviously they remember that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think last year, you know, people could say it gives them the edge or us the edge, but I will say that that was also on a turf field. Mm. Definitely not as bad as Castleton, but we know we perform better at home, and obviously we're undefeated unbe- at home. Yeah, yeah. undefeated yeah. at home, so we want to keep that up, yeah. but... I don't have any doubts that we can beat them. But again, a team is a team, right? And we make mistakes every day in practice and games. And we're really good at turning those mistakes into positives and growing for them. And I think we've continued to grow all season, but it's going to be a battle for sure. And I think if we can win the mental component of showing up and being ready and kind of going for every 50-50 ball, I think that game is going to be ours. And um, for you, as you know, you touched on you, you know, being a senior, but also this team, this whole team, you obviously have first years, but you brought almost everyone back from last year. What has that experience been like running it back with a very similar roster? It's been really great. I think one of the best things about the group of returners is that no one is really set in their ways. Everyone is always willing to be adaptable and to change for whatever is best for the team. So while a lot of things look the same, a lot of things are different. And I think you know, it's just great to have a really adaptable group who, beyond anything, prioritizes winning. You know, it's just not about the individual on this team. Great. Have you seen yourself kind of develop as a player these last few years, you know, from your first year, your sophomore year, kind of, until now? Oh, now you're trying to get me emotional, but (laughs) I definitely have grown. I mean, as a player, 
last year, I think, was a real breakout year for me in terms of what I could bring to the team. And I was really, really excited to be, you know, getting minutes. And this summer was just a real push for me in terms of, like, being the best I could. And I got to work a lot with um, Anna Lindice and Amanda Zerby because we all live close to each other. Mm-hmm. And we just spent the whole summer playing together. And it gave me a lot of time to think about what Batesfield hockey has meant to me and it's just given me a lot of room to grow mentally and it being on a team it's hard you know there's no one there's no college athlete that's like easy as pie you know love every second of it it's a mental challenge and there's definitely been days where it it sucked you know what I mean that's just the reality of it but you know it's something special when you always want to be there the next day and I think that that's just grown for me since my sophomore year. And I think that the way the team embraces each other has only grown from that too. And I think that has allowed me to grow as a person. Excellent. Ella Blum, the game-winning goal at Vermont State Castleton. And now the Bobcats finally get to return home for three straight home games to conclude the regular season. And then we'll see what's after that. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Now, again, they're 10th in the country right now. Ella, thanks so much. Thank you so much. The football team went up by 10 points twice on Bowdoin, but the host Polar Bears rallied to defeat the Bobcats 35-20 Saturday afternoon. Head coach Matt Coyne recaps the game and looks forward to another road contest, this one at Middlebury. Well, coach, you guys grabbed a couple 10-point leads there against Bowdoin, and for the team, you know, Bowdoin was able to strike back fairly quickly. I mean, what do you guys emphasize, you know, looking at film, kind of going over how to handle getting ahead early in the game like that? Yeah, I think, you know, for the first time we came out and played um, complimenting football in the first you know, drive together. You know, we got a three and out. Um, we went down and scored actually when we got the ball. When we got a three and out, we got the ball back. Went down and got the three points, and we're up ten nothing. Um, and I think you know what we stressed is just we gave up a couple explosive plays again. It's just you know we we gave up a swing pass that should have went for you know ten yards max, went for forty, um, and then we gave up a play on verticals that you know. We, we looked at all week. We knew they were running that, and, and it's one of those that we just have to execute and understand the situations. Um, but you know, we saw some growth there in the beginning of the game to take a lead. To you know, to now we got to learn how to play with a lead. You know, what I'm saying and it's the evolution and the growth. Um, I think of those new situations that some of these kids are in. You know, Stephen Garrett, he had four catches on the opening drive, and I know they're you guys were trying to get in the ball the rest of the game, but Bowen was able to kind of contain him after that. What changed, if anything? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously they did a really good job of getting pressure on Colton. Um, I think as the game wore on, they, they, they definitely – Colton got hit a bunch. And, mm-hmm. and he's a warrior, and he played he played his tail off. Um, you know, having played that position, I know how difficult it is to withstand that throughout a game. It, it wears on you. Um, and they just did a good job of really, you know, getting one to two guys on Steve every play. You know, I knew, you know, think, you know, when, when you look at it, um, I think that allowed Drew to, to have a really good game, you know, because, you know, we, we were able to find a, that third piece, you know, of the of the offense with, you know, Serge and Steve and Drew stepping up. Um, so I think we had our opportunities um, throughout that game, and I, and I think, you know, Drew stepping up kept us in that moment. Uh, that's my next question. Drew Sachs, a breakout game for him. How great was that to see? Because I know he's had his struggles early in the year, but a huge game um, there against Bowdoin. Yeah, I think, you know, Drew, Drew's a guy that just comes to work every day. And, you know, I know he's had some – some limitations. He had, the, you know, his, his hand got hurt. Um, you know, I believe it was the Colby game. Um, could have been a tough game. Can't remember. <laughs> but um, you know, he's he's worked he's worked his butt off. Um, you know, he's he's been a great teammate, and, and I think you know he's seeing that capability of what you can do in a game like that should give you you know extreme confidence going into the next game. You know, you you can do it. You've done it. Um, he made a tough, a, a ton of difficult catches too. It wasn't yeah. just like wide open catches; they were sideline catches um, in traffic. So 
Um, very, very pleased with how he played as well. And, you know, in terms of the offense, obviously some teams can just go five wide and throw it all over the place, but most teams want to have some balance there. So what's it going to take to get the run game going, you think? Yeah, I think, you know, we gotta we got to find the right pieces up front. You know, I think we like Bowden's a very good, a, a tough defense to, mm-hmm. to run the ball against, to do a ton of, uh, of twists, blitzes, stunts. Um, they have athletic players up there, I think, you know, experienced players up front that have played for a while. Um, but, yeah, we definitely have to find a way, um, you know, to find some balance there. And I think, um, you know, it, it's it's difficult um, to just spread it out the whole game. But if you're going to do that, you have to be able to find some screen games. You have to be able to find some of those those runs that aren't just handoffs. Um, but we definitely struggled throughout the game, and we knew that, you know, it wasn't our day to be able to run the ball um, against that defense. And so offensively, you know, we went to, to more of an air raid attack to try to, to move the ball down the field. The first half was – kind of a, you know, a shootout, and I thought it was going to keep going, but the second half was very much a defensive struggle. What changed in your mind on both sides? Um, you know, I was actually very, very impressed um, with our defense of how they came out in that right. second half. Um, you know, we had a, a ton of three and outs. And there was only a couple of drives where they, they got one or two first downs. We made some, some contested plays. Um, you know, obviously they scored coming down, uh, you know, with like 230 left in yeah. the game when you're trying to – you know, you know, situation, you know, I talked about it. When we went down, it was 28-17. When we went down and, and we we didn't punch that score in um, to make it 28-24, we had to settle for the field goal, which, you know, gave us a one-possession game. But, you know, finishing the drive right there is a huge point in the game because you're going to call the defense differently down on the other end at the uh, end of the game. You're going to be less, you know, man pressures because we're trying to get them out of field goal range because we know with that time left, three points – you know, unless, you know, we can recover on sides and move the ball, it's going to be an insurmountable lead um, rather than 28-24 where you're okay with giving up a field goal. You're, you're like, hey, you know, we could do that. So that's a little the things behind the scenes that you're thinking about, you know, as, as, as you go through a game. But defense, uh, you know, their defense is a good defense. Um, you know, they have some good players. that, Like I said, those a lot of those kids have been there since the COVID year. You know, that's when they were recruited there, and they, they've done a really good job of developing their program. And, um, you know, but we were right there, you know, in a rivalry game at their field, uh, to be able to take that from any other thoughts you want to mention about the game any other guys we maybe haven't talked about who stood out or any other things you want to mention about that matchup i think you know overall i think defensively we we, we played really really hard really uh you know the, the the effort and energy has been there all five yeah. weeks you know i understand the record isn't what we want it to be but we're getting better and, and that's part of it it's part of the growth um and I know that might not be what, what everybody wants to hear, but that's the facts, you know, and I think that's part of how, how we're building this program. Um, I think Matt Juno on defense, you know, really played yeah. played very well. You know, I think he he really plays extremely hard, um, and he, he cares about it more, more than anyone, you know, that I've seen. Yeah, he loves it. He loves football, loves the game. Um, and, and, you know, I think, you know, offensively, again, like Colton, I think he really stuck, you know, hung in there and, and, and stuck through it and, and took some, some hits there and, um, we just got to keep getting better and get ready for a, a really tough opponent this week. That was my next question because Middlebury beat Trinity last week. So they're clearly a, a very good team again. Um, what are you seeing on tape from them? I mean, uh, nine out of their 11 defensive players are seniors, and yeah. a bunch of them are fifth-year seniors. Um, so, you know, their experience, they're whole, you know, they only have one new uh, defensive player from last year. Um, but that being said, on the defense side, like, we were able to move the ball yeah. against them. You know, we, we did a really good job last year. Uh, you know, we were in a 33-28 game. Um but they're they're very strong up front, uh, you know, really good D line, um, you know, and, and their experience. And then obviously to be able to go down and win at Trinity is is something that not a lot of people do. Um, so I know they're going to be uh, excited about that one. But for us, it's just again focusing on us. You know, offensively they they have a you know really good quarterback. Um, 
good receivers and they throw the ball, you know, and, and that's, that's one of the things we got to focus on this week is just tightening it up, uh, being in the right positions. And, and then ultimately it's about making the plays when we're in those positions. Um, but we know what they're going to do and we know we, we respect them. Um, but you know, you play your brand of football. We focus on ourselves. We have an opportunity to win any game we play. Uh, and that's what we're going to address this week and, and work really hard to just keep focusing on us, getting better, um, playing hard. All right, Coach, thanks so much. Thank you. The rowing teams are back in action this Sunday as they head to Boston for the world-famous Head of the Charles Regatta. Senior captains Lucy Delcole and Charlie Berman join the show to give us a preview. Excited for the Head of the Charles Regatta this Sunday. We have Charlie Berman and Lucy Delcole with us here on the Bobcast. Charlie, let's start with you. First of all, I want to ask, last year, you know, you were honored with an All-America Award. Uh, what was that season like for you from your perspective, you know, you in that first varsity eight? Uh, it was a real roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, we had some ups and downs that season, but it all came together really well. The IRA results and then All-American, that, those were both awesome. Um, and the Isaac Levinger getting that as well. Those were two guys that, well, really him, that I thought earned it, but it's just a nice way to cap off a season that had its moments but really ended well. It was a young boat last year, so a lot of returnees this year, right? Yeah, we're only missing two guys out of the 1V. One of them are Cox and the other are bow seat. Mm-hmm. So plenty of returning talent and a nice mix of grades, too. we still got some more senior guys who've been around the block a couple times. Plenty of young guys still eager to work, less cynical than the rest of us. So a really good mix. <laughs> Excellent. Now, Lucy, uh, you, you were abroad last fall, so how excited are you to once again, Cox, at this huge regatta coming up this Sunday. Yeah, I'm definitely very excited. Um, The other day I kind of looked back at my maps and I realized that I haven't done this in a whole year um, and I have to review that, but I'm feeling good about it. Ollie Celine, the other senior coxswain, has now done it. This is her fifth time, so she has been down the course quite a few times, so I'm getting some information from her and watching videos going over it all, but it was kind of my like home adjacent course in high school so I spent a lot of time on it in high school feel very comfortable with it and I'm excited to be a little more in the mix sophomore year we were bound number one so we didn't have anyone really around us Wellesley was chasing us but they never caught us um but this year we're bound number four so we have Tufts and Wellesley right in front of us which will be really exciting to chase them down yeah, and that's what people need to know is, right, it's a staggered start. So take us through how that's different from your standard 2K race in the spring where everyone starts at once. Yeah, so everyone's on a stagger. So we're starting off bow number four, so we'll have three crews right in front of us and then 20-something crews behind us. Um, and especially in that first stretch, the powerhouse stretch, it's really important for passing people, making moves, because you want to line yourself up for those later on, like the big turns near Elliott, so that you don't have to be passing then. Um, we've been doing some work on building speed, being ready to go when we need to, so hopefully that'll set us up for some good lines going through that course. Great, and Charlie, what's this race like from your perspective compared to this spring? Obviously it's longer, some more twists and turns and whatnot, right? It's a real mess. <laughs> yeah, you don't really know what's going on. You're in another boat's way. Coxon's making all sorts of calls that you've never heard in practice just to get around boats. It's a lot of chaos, but it's also a lot of fun. That's really one of the only races where you get the crowds that you do at the Charles. So you come through Elliot, and it's just like a wall of noise, which as a rower is not something you often experience and is really cool to experience that one time. Now, if I'm not mistaken, your coxswain this year is a first year, right? So what's it like working with him? It's honestly been really good. Um, you know, he had big shoes to fill. Aiden Braithwaite was an awesome coxswain for us. But Darian also has a lot of talent, and he's been eager to learn. You know, he's eager to do things the way that coach wants him to do it. He takes feedback really well. He steers really well. We couldn't be happier with him as a freshman coxswain coming in. 
Great. And Lucy, give me an idea of the returnees for the 1V this year. Yeah, so we have, including myself, three returners in the 1V. Um, a lot of members of the 2V from last year moved up. And then we have one freshman in the boat who's stroking the boat this year, which is very exciting. Um, and then the 2V is full of some returners, some first years. We have a lot of young talent this year, which is really great, a good first year class. The four is coxed by sophomore Audrey Kamine, who has never raced ahead of the Charles before, so that is really exciting for her. Um, she's getting super hyped up, and we're having a meeting tomorrow with all the coxswains to kind of go over race plans, share information, um, which will kind of be kicked off by senior Cox and Ollie Celine with the most amount of times down the course. So we're really excited for them, really excited for the two eights racing this week. It's like being a captain. I know a Cox and you're a leader anyway, but now adding on the captain duty, right? <laughs> yeah, it feels like similar to last year yeah. when I'm at the boathouse. Um, it's pretty much the same things like calling quiet sits, telling people where to be and when, but then there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I wasn't knowing about in the past. Um, I just worked on the first gear order that like, I was meant to do, and I know that Charlie did one also, and that was interesting. It was definitely a new side of captainship that I didn't realize went on, um, but it's on the way, so successful so far. Excellent. Charlie, yeah, what's it been like for you being one of the captains? It's it's definitely a new experience. I've been very lucky that the guys have been easygoing. Uh, there haven't been disciplinary issues. I haven't been hauled down to coach's office to answer for someone. Yeah. But as Lucy said, the behind-the-scenes stuff is a new element. You know, I was working on the winter training plan before you came down. It's just all that sort of stuff is new to me. But it's it's been fun. It's been a good transition. Excellent. So, uh, Lucy, just any thoughts you wanted to share about the Charles coming up this, um, this Sunday and what you're most looking forward to, perhaps? I'm really excited to go back down the course again. Like you said, it's been a whole year since I was there, so I'm excited for that. And like Charlie mentioned, it's a really fun race. Um, there's great energy, lots of fans. I have friends and family coming, so I'm excited for that part of it. And Charlie, how about you? I mean, obviously the men's team, we've seen some great finishes from, from you guys, as well as women, of course, throughout the years. But what are some thought, final thoughts you have on this upcoming race? We're looking to build on those great finishes. Coaches put a lot of trust in us for this race. We've unwrapped our flagship, uh, the Kratos, so that's our top boat. Mm-hmm. We're really lucky to be racing it, and we think that we have a good group of guys in the 1V. We also got excellent rowers in the 2V, a lot of young talent, but again, guys eager to work, and they think they can really make their mark on this race. And then, of course, the guys in the 4, that's a lot of older guys that have been around and they haven't gotten the chance, so I'm just really excited to see those guys race the Charles and the Bates Uni for the first time. Excellent. Well, Heather Charles for the Bobcats this Sunday afternoon. We have the link to watch live at GoBaseBobcats.com. Charlie Berman, Lucy Delcole, thanks so much. The women's soccer team bounced back from a loss at Tufts to win 3-0 Sunday over Colby Sawyer. And the men's soccer team started this week off right Tuesday with a thrilling 2-1 win over Humane Farmington at Russell Street Field. As junior Tifaya Gunlaye scored the game-winning goal with just two seconds remaining. Men's soccer, women's soccer, and field hockey celebrate their respective senior days this Saturday when they all host Connecticut College. Find the complete schedule for upcoming events at GoBatesBobcats.com, and we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast.